0: Um, I was about to introduce myself, but Andrea already took over that part. Thank you. Um, So I will continue uh, with the series on Galatians that Pastor Jeff um, has been taking us through for the past weeks and months. And I have a little question for you in the beginning. Who of you um, has been discipled in their lives by someone? Okay, we've got a few hands. And who of you has discipled someone else? your life okay also a few people um so i think discipleship is um really a core aspect of christianity um usually most christians at some point they are being discipled by someone and then many also get to disciple someone else um, at a certain stage and um let me just cover some basics of discipleship discipleship was not a new concept Um, that Jesus introduced um, back at his time. It was rather common for philosophers or rabbis at that time to have their own disciples. And in the Bible, we also find the example of John the Baptist um, or the Pharisees having their own disciples. And a disciple was like a student, but he was much more than a student. He was a very committed follower of their disciple. And so it was someone who was really following them through their whole life, sometimes even 24-7, um, and really learning by doing and just by all their life lessons. And, um, yeah, it's also interesting that um, discipleship has the same word origin as discipline. And I think that really shows how committed this uh, way of following was. And the Bible calls us both to be disciples and to make disciples. Disciples of Jesus Christ. And um, a pastor, John McCormill, he defines this discipleship of Jesus as being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing as Jesus did. So that is what discipleship is all about. Now, one of the main figures um, who took this call to discipleship very seriously was Paul. After his conversion, he made it not only his life's mission to Go out and preach the gospel um, to the world but also to follow up with those that he has reached um, with the gospel and the churches that have been built up and he helped them to grow in their journey of faith to disciple them and while it sounds like a very noble act which it also was um, it also yeah came with its ups and downs for, for both sides and i think discipleship can really be um, almost like an emotional roller coaster sometimes. And we can read a little bit about that in Paul's letters um, to the churches and also in the letter um, to the Galatians. Um, so, yeah, and also in today's passage, which I will read now from Galatians 4 8 to 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now, and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. There are many ways to to talk about this passage and there are a lot of things in this passage. And um, I would like to talk about this passage today in the context of discipleship. Um, So Paul talks about this this process that the Galatians um, have went through. They went from not knowing God to knowing God or rather being known by God. And now he seems to be worried that they are going sort of in in, in the opposite direction again, Um, which means that they go towards self-righteousness under the law again. And the interesting thing is that that he writes in in verse 12, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. And that is interesting because it's kind of strange to say, become as I am, for I became as you are. And also because usually, in the other letters, he often writes, imitate me, um, just like I imitate Christ. But here he says it differently. And I think that is because Paul, he was a former Jew, so he came from under the law. And some of the Galatians, they have never been under the law. But now that they've become Christian, they seem to go in the opposite direction from where Paul was coming from. Um, namely to go back under the law. So he tells them to become like the the new version of himself, which means not being under the law, but being under the cross and having found freedom there. And then in the following following verses, he really um, compliments and even praises the Galatians. Um, Because when he first arrived there, he was very sick and they've treated him very well. Um, And he even says, um, they have received him as an angel of God. So he, u- he uses very high words for them. And I think he, he does that also to sort of build up this contrast. Because then afterwards, in verse 15, he talks about, well, he asks them, what then has become of your blessedness? So he sort of says, you've been so great before, so wh- where did all that greatness go? And um, the word blessedness here, it doesn't talk about being blessed, but it's really the, the reaction towards um, the gospel. So being passionate and uh, rejoicing over the fact, um, yeah, over, over the gospel. And, yeah, so, so this passion about the gospel seems to, have, um, seems to have faded among the Galatians. And I think that's it's normal to have passion over something and then to to lose it. I mean, I myself personally can really relate to that. I become passionate about things very quickly. Um, And then sometimes I have to see how quickly that uh, the passion disappears again. Um, But I think here, since it's something very serious, um, Paul is right to to warn them and to even rebuke them um, over them losing their passion. And the next interesting thing is that this, this warning, rebu- rebukement by Paul, then sort of turns them against him. Uh, it seems like he has become their enemy by telling them the truth. And it is also the case because um, he, is, he had some rivals. There were some rival teachers among the Galatians, some false teachers who made it all about themselves. They didn't really care for the Galatians. They only cared about themselves. And on the other side, we have Paul who is trying to tell them the truth and who deeply cares for them. I mean, in verse 19, we can hear him saying, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I think those words, only someone who really cares about someone and who genuinely wants them um, to come to Christ and to disciple them, only someone like that would use these words. And yeah, that's what Paul wants. He wants them to experience true freedom in Christ, just as he has experienced. But as so often, due to our sinful nature, we turn away from what is good for us and we turn towards what is bad for us. So Paul wishes to be with them once again, face to face, so that he could bring them back on the right track, a track that is leading not towards himself, but that is leading towards Christ. So, how does that track look like, and where have the Galatians gone wrong? Um, so I think Paul's main concern to the Galatians, whom he's discipling, is don't turn back, and he's worried about, um, yeah, he's worried about them turning back, which I think is is a common principle in the Bible. Also, Jesus often talks about the, yeah. How bad it is if we turn back, like he says in Luke 9:62, "No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God." So Jesus and Paul, they want us to look forward, forward to Christ and not backward, to our, backwards to our old selves." And Paul, here is worried about two main relapses among the Galatians: uh, One, that they turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. And two, that they lose their blessedness. Now, the elementary principles of the world, they are per definition in opposition to God. They are not of God, but they are of the world. And the basic principle of the world is that we need to save ourselves. So we seek out for things um, that we think that can fulfill us, and we yeah, worship these things. Um, because we think that they give us life. And in our world, that could be money, success, sex, vacation, knowledge, sports, self-care, self-development, technical progress, many, many things. All these things, they can be treated um, as little gods, as false gods, and they can be worshipped. And they can become the, the basis of our purpose. And if that is the case then we, come, uh, we become enslaved by them. And Paul uses this word, uh, enslaved, um, several times, which is a very strong word. But, yeah, he really talks about the sort of spiritual bondage that people have to these false gods. And I think he's not necessarily talking about um, a demonic spiritual bondage, but just about us not loving God exclusively, about our hearts being divided. And... Yeah, we have another verse, um, uh, Jesus saying in Luke twelve thirty-four: for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, this specific verse is talking about money, um, but I think it, is, it also applies to other things in life. Wherever our main focus um, is on, um, that is where our heart will be at also. And I think we can all relate to it, to that, that, Whatever we focus on most, that's where our emotional and our spiritual state will depend on. And yeah, and that means that um, even good things, they, they, they can become bad things if we worship them. Um, because if we treat things that are not gods as though they are gods, then we become slaves to them spiritually. So that means that, yeah, even things like moral, morality, family, or even Christian practices, like attending church, Bible reading, or serving in a ministry, if they are being turned into a savior themselves, um, then, yeah, they become bad for us because we're being enslaved by them And the self righteousness. And, yeah, to use Paul's words of enslavement, um, Timothy Keller. Um, states that if anything but Jesus is a requirement for being happy or worthy, that thing will become our slave master. So basically, if anything but Jesus serves as our prime, uh, primary purpose in life, then we're enslaved by that instead of being free in Christ. And I think if we take a look in the world, we can see that everyone is slaves to something or someone we're all following something or someone we all put our hope and joy and purpose on something or someone and paul is basically saying us telling us that we have two um two options to either um, yeah be the slaves of of some false gods some idols some legalism or to be free in christ or paul often also says that He's the slave of Christ, but that's a, another slave, another kind of enslavement. Um, and the thing is that if, we're, um, if we fall under self-righteousness and the legalism, the problem is that it's, um, it's so often so much more difficult to, um, to be aware that we're not following the right path. Like Think of the story of the prodigal son. Um, if you're not aware of it, just a brief summary. Uh, there once was a father who had two sons, and um, the younger son, he asked his father for an early share of his um, inheritance. And he took off the money and went out to the world, wasting the money on worldly pleasures and living a sinful lifestyle. And because of that, he quickly ran out of the money and he really reached the, the bottom. Um, he was living and eating with the pigs and... At that point, he remembered how good he had it when he was still living with his father. So he decided to come back home um, to repent and to ask his father to become one of his servants. Now, before he could even reach the house, the father ran outside. He embraced him, he forgave him, and he took him back in as his son. And and then they, they celebrated over his return. And during all that time, his older brother had stayed at home. And he had worked hard for his father and he had never asked him for any money or anything else. And when he saw that his brother had returned and that they were celebrating over that, he got very angry because he found it very unfair. And so basically at the end of the story, the immoral son, he repented and was back with the father while the moral son stayed outside in anger. And... That's why I think being in the state of of the older brother is much more dangerous, because at least the younger brother, when he went off um, to the world, at least he knew that he was um, rejecting his father's will and that he was far away from his father. So he also knew where to turn back to. But the older brother, he thought he was doing all the right things. And yet, while he was physically always so close to his father, spiritually and in his heart. He was very far away. And yeah, so um, this is why Paul is um, worried about the Galatians because he observes that it seems like they are um, it seems like they are observing days and months and seasons and years, which basically means that they are taking the, uh, the traditions of the Old Testament uh, literally and legalistic, and since that is happening inside the the religious environment, they wouldn't even know that they are doing something wrong. They wouldn't even know that they are far away from the father, just like the older son. Um, yeah. Now, in in verse nine, um, which we have read before, but it's interesting that Paul emphasizes that they have come to know God. But then even more importantly that they are being known by god and i think that is um yeah he he emphasizes that because that is where their salvation primarily comes from he talks about this importance of um or he talks about how it's more important that they are being known by god than that they know god um yeah, for, for the following reasons. But first of all, knowing in the biblical sense um, is much more than just about information. It's not knowing about something. And it's more about relationship and experience. And I think we as Christians often look at our knowing of God. But that fluctuates a lot because of our human nature. Um, it has its, its ups and downs. So... Paul says that often we turn to legalism because we're insecure about our acceptance of God. And he says that if we remind ourselves um, daily that it's mainly about God knowing us, well, we are much more secure because that knowledge, that knowing, always remains constant. There's no need for idols if all we need we can find in God's acceptance. And... Yeah, and it's not so much about us having accepted Christ, but even more so about Christ having accepted us. About this, um, yeah, core aspect of salvation, um, the Scottish theologian and pastor Alistair Beck has summed it up, yeah, very nicely. And he starts off by asking this sort of famous question, if we were to die tonight and Um, reach heaven and if we were being asked at the entrance of heaven why they should let us in what would we say and he says that if we say anything in the first person because i believe because i have faith because i did because i am we've gone immediately wrong he says the only proper answer is because he did because he is and because he says pointing to jesus and Um, Yeah, a a story that perfectly underlines that point is the the thief on the cross. So when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified on on the cross in the middle and on his left and on his right. Um, There were, yeah, on each side, a criminal who was also crucified that night. And while they were hanging up there, one of them, he was mocking Jesus, um, but the other one, he realized that Out of these three people hanging up there, Jesus was the only one who didn't deserve to be there. So he asked Jesus to please remember him when he reaches heaven. And Jesus promised him um, that he will and that the thief will be with him in heaven. Now, imagine the the thief reaching heaven that night and being asked why he should be let in. He didn't know anything. He didn't know anything about doctrine. He didn't know anything anything um, much about Jesus, uh, he didn't do anything and he wasn't anyone. Maybe he was even confused to be there in the first place. But when he was asked that question, why should he be let in, he probably said, because the man on the middle cross said that I could come. And I think that is the right answer um, for all Christians to that question. And Usually when we come to faith, we, we, we know that. But then when we're Christians for a while, we yeah start forgetting that again. And it's not that we lose the knowledge about it, but we lose its implications. And we quickly turn once again to trusting ourselves um, and trusting on what we know, what we believe, and what we do. And... Yeah, thus salvation by faith alone quickly turns to salvation plus works. And that is exactly why Paul is so concerned about the Galatians here, because it seemed, yeah, he's concerned about their divided focus between the cross and themselves. And I think it is this divided focus that leads us um, to, yeah, to, to many sins and to, to legalism. Because while the cross always remains constant and always performs perfectly, we don't. And I think often we we turn back to the principles of the world or we lose our passion um, because we're frustrated with ourselves. We seek acceptance and self worth and pleasure and confirmation in other things um, just to make, yeah, to make. feel better about ourselves. And I think we often don't realize it, but this dissatisfaction with ourselves is at the bottom of most of our sins. And it quickly takes on other forms like pride, frustration, self-centeredness, or anger. But at the bottom of it almost always is a damaged self-image. But Paul reminds the Galatians, and he reminds all of us, that our self-worth is immense. And not because of anything that we have done or that we know, but because we're deeply known by Christ and by God, our creator. So we shouldn't care how others or even we ourselves see us as long as we know that God accepts, knows, and loves us. Now to bring that back um, in the context of discipleship, I think that discipleship is leading other people to the point of realizing and at the same time reminding ourselves daily that it is only because the man on the middle cross, Jesus, um, that we can come to God. Because of Jesus, we can be with the Father. And as I'm closing up, I would just quickly like to talk um, about the second main concern that Paul had, which is, where did your blessedness go? And as I've mentioned before, um, blessedness is really about the the passion about the gospel, rejoicing about the fact that Jesus saved us. And yeah, we find many examples in the Bible how important it is to not only know the gospel and to accept the gospel, but also to have passion about it and to rejoice in it. Um, Like in the story of the prodigal son, one of the uh, flaws of the older son was that while he did all the right things and while he stayed with his father, um, he wasn't happy about it. He didn't rejoice in the fact that he could be with his father all the time. Or we have David in the Old Testament, who after he sinned severely with Bathsheba, um, he repents and he prays, restore to me the joy of your salvation in Psalm 51. Um, Or we have Paul who says in Romans that he wants to, eagerly preach the gospel into the world. So I think, yeah, it's really important that it's not only about accepting the gospel, but also about rejoicing in the gospel, being happy about the fact that the gospel reconciles us with God, and also being passionate about spreading it into the world. The letter to the Galatians is a challenging letter, Um, a challenge not only to the Galatians, but to all of us. And it challenges us not to turn back to our old um, selves, but rather to keep on growing in our new identity in Christ and to continue being discipled, becoming more like Jesus, and to make disciples to help others become more like Jesus. So where are you in this? Have you accepted the gospel? And if so, do you rejoice in it? Are you passionate about spreading it? What might be an idol in your life? And which area of you needs to be reminded that you are deeply known by God? Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that that we can know you, but more importantly that we are known by you. I thank you lord that we do not need to find pleasure or self-worth in anything else but that you give us everything that we need and lord i pray that you will remind us of that daily and that as we walk through our daily lives we do not need to be frustrated with ourselves or with anything or anyone else but that we can always be firmly rooted in your gospel and i pray that you will give us passion about it and a joy about it and that you will give us a passion to spread it into this world to tell others about your glorious message and um yeah all the great things that you've done for us lord help us to not turn back to our old selves but to keep on growing in our new identity in you and also to have others to become more like you in jesus name amen